Hello, my rebels. Today, I take you through uh, my thoughts on the media party and why an already untrustworthy media party absolutely blew it in their coverage of the trucker convoy, and they don't even realize it yet. So that's today's show. Plus, we go live to Coots, Alberta, to one of our reporters embedded in the blockade there. I think that's it's worth uh, watching for sure. Let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus, which is the video version of the podcast. It's eight bucks a month. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. You get my daily show, and we have weekly shows from four other groups. It's just four other groups, four other people. And it's really worth watching. And it's eight bucks a month, which is half the price of Netflix. And I think we're trying to expand our offering behind the paywall. So I think it's worthwhile. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, I've got some thoughts on the media party's misconduct and the problem with Canadian media in general. It's February 8th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Hey, uh, Rebels just on fire these days. I was on Tucker Carlson's show last night, huge audience. And then right after me, our friend Lincoln Jay was on Hannity's show. It wasn't a very long hit, but it was on the ground, trust, trustworthy reporting. It's tough to find that in Canada these days if you go with the mainstream media. It looks like Rebel News has become the go-to for Americans and others who actually want to know what's going on, not just what Trudeau says was going on. Uh, I'll show you my little clip a little later, but let me show off uh, Lincoln Jay on his big U.S. network debut. Here's Lincoln Jay on The Hannity Show. For the Canadian truckers, as they stand up for human dignity, liberty, freedom, medical privacy, but to the left, anybody that stands against one-size-fits-all medicine, with no exceptions whatsoever, and for prosperity, they immediately become, you know, enemy number one. Get this, an Ottawa judge has actually granted an injunction to stop honking your horn in downtown Ottawa uh, as momentum for this convoy continues to grow and grow and grow. Now the truckers, from what we can tell, uh, they have been peaceful. We've not heard of any incidents of violence. Honking is part of how they are making their voices heard. Uh, ask yourself this, you know, where's Trudeau? and his left-wing minions. Are they really outraged over honking a horn? And of course, failed far-left excuse for a leader, Trudeau. He remains cowering in fear, nowhere to be found, calling the truckers every name he can in the book, still refusing to hear them out, address their valid concerns. Joe Biden doesn't know what day of the week it is, and Trudeau is just a gutless, spineless child. He's in way over his head. Instead, he claims truckers are racist and transphobic, despite no evidence that we could find of any of that. I've yet to see anything. And here with the very latest live on the ground in Ottawa, we have Rebel News reporter Lincoln Jay. Lincoln, uh, from what I can see here in the States, this is staying strong, rock solid. They're not caving and they're not going anywhere. Yeah, the, the we, I've been on the ground here since the 28th of January. and. It's become quite clear at this point that the truckers are not going anywhere. Uh, we've seen pretty much exactly the same amount of trucks on the ground here in Ottawa. None have left, considering there's a state of emergency now in the city. And uh, like I said, it's become quite clear that they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, and the support they're getting from the people seems fairly universal. It almost seems like a street, a block party, what we call in New York. Yeah, it's uh, the best way to describe it is uh, it's like it's like a Canada Day festival every day here. It's it's nothing but positivity on the streets. I would honestly describe it as a family environment, and uh, that's why it, it makes it it's really hard to wrap your head around the way that the uh, the legacy media here in Canada is trying to spin the narrative and and really turn this into something it's not. You when you're on the ground here, you really see people from all walks of life. 
that just want their freedoms back. It's been really hard to be a Canadian for the past almost two years, you know, and uh, people just want these mandates lifted. And that's why the truckers are here. And the, the truckers have brought a lot of hope to Canadians that we might actually see these mandates lifted. So here we are. All right, Lincoln J. Appreciate the report. Thank you. That's Lincoln telling it like it is. Follow the facts wherever they lead. You know, I hear he's being invited back on again tonight. That's wonderful. So I, I had this great night last night just marveling at all the international coverage that Rebel News is providing. And, of course, that wasn't our purpose. Our purpose was to tell Canadians what's happening in their own country to fight against the government, government narrative. But we have really become the reliable folks for media outside of Canada. Let me show you this cover of the Daily Mail, this, this story. Uh, absolutely savaging Justin Trudeau for abusing the word Nazi. It's outrageous that Trudeau implies that his critics are Nazis. I know that, you know that, we all know that. But the media party, not only don't they know it, they cheer him on. It takes a foreign newspaper like the Daily Mail to say what Canadians should be reading in our daily newspapers, but we're not. So that was me when I went to bed last night feeling pretty good about how our little company is reporting the news. I think we're rising to the occasion, if I may say so. And I say that not so much out of personal pride, but pride in our team. You know, there's 52 souls working at Rebel News right now, and we're firing on all pistons. I told you that on the weekend we were in nine cities at once. That's pretty cool. So I woke up this morning and I was feeling good about Rebel News, what we were doing, but I was thinking about how other media are because last night I saw that a CBC government journalist uh, from Trudeau State Broadcaster was actually live tweeting Lincoln on the Hannity show. So let me just speak clearly. Um, a CBC reporter paid an enormous sum of money, was sitting watching Fox News, and rage tweeting about it, including Rebel News being on Fox News. So you had CBC watching Fox News, talking to Rebel News, and tweeting about it. I didn't know that's why we were paying a billion and a half dollars here to say CBC. So I just, I, it was rattling around in my head, and I woke up and I wrote sort of like a 30-tweet rant about him. And I thought, you know what, I I, I want to, I want to add to this. I want to expand on this in the show. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read to you what I wrote when I woke up this morning, and I'm going to give you some more thoughts. And I hope you don't mind me repurposing those tweets. I just want to make sure you didn't miss them. So here's what I said. I said, the first thing to know about the media is that they're lazy. They'd rather rewrite a government press release than get up from their desk and report from the field, especially when it's minus 20 degrees out. I hate to say it, it's true. You can't be lazy if you're a journalist. You need to have a sense of curiosity and a sense of skepticism. Though That sounds trite, but I just don't think it's true about a lot of government-style journalists. Uh, I'll keep reading. So they repeat Trudeau's lie that the truckers are racist and sexist. Because if you just hold up in your office and you get a press release and you're watching Trudeau, they're racist and sexist. Well, you tend to believe that because you're a liberal journalist and you don't dare go and mix with the unwatched. So you're just repeating the government line. The second tweet I said was, the second thing to know is that in Canada, more than 99% of journalists receive a payment from Justin Trudeau. Here's the list of the journalists who took Trudeau's $61 million pre-election payoff. It's more than 99% of working journalists. We broke that story with you for you a few months ago, the same time that Jonathan Bradley broke it on the same day, independently broke it. 99%, uh, like over 1,500 Canadian journalistic companies. I didn't know there were that many. We've, we've told you that at length. So when you take money from anyone, whether it's a lobbyist or a company or a government, um, how can you possibly report on them independently? You cannot. I'll keep reading. Three, there is an illusion of media competition in Canada, but it's an oligopoly. Post Media, the largest recipient of Trudeau's media bailout, owns every English-language daily newspaper in Canada, except two. And even they just run the same wire copy as their competitors. You know what I mean by wire copy? I see this a lot in the National Post, and it makes me sad. They just print stuff from the Washington Post, or I think it's Associated Press. You know what those are? Those are news wires. So some reporter somewhere writes a story. They send it out, and you're a subscriber, and you just take that stuff, and you have the legal right to take what they put, pop it in your newspaper, fill up your newspaper, and the advantage to it is it's super cheap. 
So there's really only one company that does English post media. It has the Calgary Herald, Edmonton Journal, Vancouver Sun, Montreal Gazette, National Post. Um, they don't own the Toronto Star. That's a different company. Um, and they don't own uh, the Winnipeg Free Press, but pretty much they've got every other newspaper. And it's just one company. So it, it feels like there's competition. That would never be allowed in the United States, by the way. They have antitrust laws. I'll keep reading. And Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster is larger than all other news media combined. Every non-CBC journalist tailors their work so that if they're laid off, they can get hired at the CBC since it's too big to fail. It's the last resort. What I mean by that is more news journalists work for the CBC than every, not just any, but than every other news company. So automatically they dominate. And we see this, for example, at the debates, the leader, leadership election debates, um, where they try to keep Rebel News out twice. You have 20, 30, 40, whatever CBC journalists. They just, they just crowd everyone else out. It's not just that, but everyone knows they're going to be the last media company to die because Trudeau will bail them out. So they're always thinking, okay, I better not say anything to put me off, off uh, on the wrong foot with them. Number five, there used to be some conservative media in Canada, for example, the National Post, but for years they hired woke leftist underminers Personnel is policy. A majority of their newsrooms signed a letter to fire their star columnist. They're no better than the CBC. And you know, that's the story of Rex Murphy. And that's when you hire people over time, more and more and more, and they hate you, and they're just coming for a job and to bring their wokeness from the latest journalism school fad into the National Post, and you don't hire for ideology, what did you think would happen? They literally had a majority of their newsroom sign a document denouncing their star uh, writer, Rex Murphy, and they didn't fire them. What are you gonna, you're literally going to fire the majority of your newsroom? Um, they were taken over. <laughs> That's not, besides Rex Murphy and Conrad Black, and there is a, a new journalist named Rupa um, over there who's been great. I think I've just listed all the people who are fit to read at the National Post. Terry Corcoran still writes once in a while, but I think, I think I just listed them all. Number six, TV is the worst. Of course, they are highly regulated by the CRTC, which has the power to kill any TV or radio station. They cancel the license of any company that airs conservative views that offend the regime. Here's an example. That's the story of Schwa FM, Radio X, in Quebec City, which is the most liberty-oriented and funniest radio station in the country. They said some offensive things. Well, of course they did. Everything's offensive to the offended. And the CRTC was going to kill them. There was a massive march on Parliament Hill. I think it was like 50,000 people. And it scared the government. And actually, Andre Arthur, who was a journalist there, he rode this wave into Parliament as an independent MP. He later joined the Conservatives. When was the last time you heard an independent MP get elected? Well, they came to kill Radio X, and people fought back. But it was close. When I worked at Sun News, I learned that the TV part of TV companies was economically unimportant compared to the cell phone and cable side of the business. That's how the CRTC pressures TV companies. News shows are a rounding error compared to regulatory givings and takings. I, I was at Sun News. I thought it was the most important thing. Of course, it was about a $20 million a year operation. But that was part of Quebecor. And Quebecor has huge cell phone and cable and online services. This $20 million appendage was just a bargaining chip, a bauble. Uh, Sun News used to be on, I think, Channel 15 or something, or Channel 6, or some really low channel in Toronto, so everyone could find it. That was just something to be bargained away, like some poker chip. Suddenly we lost that because Sun News was not important compared to billions of dollars at stake in other things. I just learned that the hard way. I mean, I loved Sun News, and I loved Quebec War, but never pretend that News stations are owned to make money. They're political tools. I'll talk more about that later. Point A, these are all structural issues, but an obvious point is the lack of diversity in the news media. I don't mean race or sex. I mean intellectual and class diversity. The media party, as I call it, is politically and culturally homogeneous, uh, urban, woke, Thinkalikes. Well, you know exactly what I'm talking about there. In fact, the, the other networks brag about it. The CBC positively says they will not have any skeptics about the theory of man-made global warming. They say, well, we don't have any skeptics about the theory of gravity either. <laughs> yeah, mate, it's not settled, um, uh, global warming. And uh, even if you think it is, 
a large mass of Canadians don't think so. So you're basically saying we don't want diversity of opinion. And and where do those people go who want a diversity of opinion? Even believers who say, well, we should at least have a debate about it. So the mainstream media literally turned those people away and told them to go elsewhere. Point nine, they don't know any truckers or farmers or anyone who works outside who wears a hard hat or a uniform. My favorite tweet from the Globe and Mail was this masterpiece. The reporter covering the working classes thought this was a wrecking ball and got scared. If you see that picture from the Globe and Mail, you know when crane, you've seen cranes all the time, you know, construction cranes, and you have this long cable and there's a little weight at the end just so it doesn't whip around in the wind. That's all. It's just a weight. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's as big as a, you know, like a cantaloupe or something. It's not a wrecking ball, which is as big as a car or something. You've seen wrecking balls, right? This Globe and Mail journalist, who was the expert on what to think of working people, thought that little weight on the end of a crane was a wrecking ball, and they were going to smash Parliament. Yeah, just admit it. You've, you've never met anyone who works in a factory. You've never been in a truck. You just simply don't know how the other half lives, but you're an expert for the whole world. Got it. Point 10, how can this rotting industry, monopolistic, corrupted by government money, regulated by government censors, a political monoculture, infected by woke cancel culture, possibly cover a populist workers' rebellion? They are intellectually and structurally incapable of it. Yeah, it's, it just, they just don't know how to process it. Psychologically, these middle-class narcissists, every journalist must be a narcissist to believe the world needs to hear what they have to say cannot believe that the working classes reject them. They always posed as saviors of the working man. It made them feel better. Do you think the writers at the Toronto Star have anything in common with working people other than their gardeners, their cooks, their nannies, their food delivery boys and gals? Do you think they have any dealings with working people? You know, I've, I've told you before about um, this amazing quiz you can find it uh, online. Charles Murray developed it called How Thick Is Your Bubble? And he asks you questions. We've talked about this before. Have you ever been on a factory floor? Just yes or no. Uh, have you ever been in a parade other than a, a gay pride parade have you, or a political parade? Have you ever been in a, a parade? Um, have you ever lived in a small town other than a, a college? I'm going from memory here. There's wonderful questions. Um, have you ever bought discount beer, like economy beer? Um, and then they have tests on what movies and TV shows do you watch. And by the way, there's no right answer or wrong answer. It just, it, there's one question on the quiz that asks you, can you identify these military badges, like ranks? You're not a bad person if you say no. It's just a sign that you really don't know how the other person lives. Do you know, how many smokers do you know? Do you know any evangelical Christians? Now, again, it's not a wrong answer to say, no, I don't. But this wonderful test by Charles Murray was just, do you know how other people live? And I always think of that. One of his questions is, did you ever have a job that when you come home, part of your body aches? That's a great question, isn't it? And you're not a bad person if the answer is no. It's just... Don't pretend that you know how the world is because you just know how your part of the world is. So you have the Zoom class, the MacBook at the Cottage class, um, saying they understand the truck driving class. No, you don't, actually, even though it makes you feel better to say you do. So the Toronto Star, with its Marxist Atkinson principles, calls for martial law against working men. There for the mass firing of unvaccinated union members, a violation of collective agreements. They're in bed with Big Pharma. They don't use the phrase pro-choice anymore. I mean, where, where's the NDP? They're, Jagmeet Singh was the most vicious person in the country towards the truckers. By the way, a lot of those truckers happen to be Sikh like him. Here's Jagmeet Singh, just insane demonization. This is the champion of the working man. Today, we're, we're calling for an emergency debate in Parliament to respond to the convoy and to the escalating tensions that we're seeing. We need to see some leadership, and there hasn't been that leadership at the federal level, and so we're calling for that. There's four things that we want to see happen, and, and I'm hoping to be able to use the emergency debate as a platform to talk about these four things. First of all, we have a crisis on our hands, and we need to immediately have the prime minister, 
representing the federal level, the federal government, meet with the affected municipalities to offer any help that we can to solve this problem. And there is there's serious concerns going on. Obviously, in Ottawa, people are going through a really horrible situation where the, it's clear that the stated intent of this of this um, convoy is is to overthrow the government. Uh, it's in their memorandum of understanding. It's clear they're not hiding away from it. And they are uh, harassing citizens. They are threatening people, assaulting people. And recent examples of setting fire to a building because they're fed up with the noise is clear this is a violent and dangerous uh, action that is causing uh, really severe consequences to people. My point is for the media to report what's really happening out there, 100,000 plus truckers across the country, 1 million people or more who cheered them on along the way would destroy not only the media's worldview, but their self-image. They just cannot believe their eyes. They, they can't. They can't. They won't. It's as if you woke up in the morning and the sky was green. You wouldn't be able to process it. You would go crazy. Or your mind would say, no, I'm just not going to see green. I'm going to pretend that's blue because I, I would just... You know, my mind would be blown if the, I cannot process a green sky. My world would fall apart if the sky were green. I wouldn't understand what was happening. I would go mad. So I'm just going to say the sky is blue. That's how destructive to their worldview and self-image it is to see working people rebel against the Toronto Star and the CBC and the NDP. The pro-Trudeau pollster abacus shows that 32% of Canadians see themselves in the trucker convoy. If the truckers were a political party, they would immediately be in first place. This is enormous cognitive dissonance to the media party who keep calling it a radical fringe. I've seen new polling numbers that show the numbers even higher, about 44% now. A reason why the media party narrative is failing is that a million people have had first-hand contact with the truckers. The revolution is being televised, just not on CBC. It's alive on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. These aren't racist. So people see the truth enough to know that what the media party is telling them is a lie. So many institutions have failed during the pandemic. Parliament, the opposition conservatives, the courts, colleges of physicians and surgeons, police, etc. But the media has failed the most because they are immune to most consequences. They haven't noticed it yet. Aaron O'Toole noticed it. I think Jason Kenney's about to notice it. But uh, where's the comeuppance for the media party? They don't understand why people don't trust them. Here's CTV, mad that the only convoy they've been defaming, that the convoy they've been defaming for two weeks won't invite them into a press conference as an honored guest. And as you can see, that's a tweet from Glenn McGregor, really mad that they were kept out. The icing on the cake is that CTV is part of the government press gallery that excludes conservative media like Rebel News from the parliament. They voted to protect Trudeau from our questions but they're accepting applications from Xinhua. CTV is huge. They're owned by Bell, the cell phone and cable company that also owns two NHL teams, which helps explain why they like the lockdown so much, but lobbied for special exemptions for them, but not for your kids' hockey teams. CTV seems large to you, but it's unimportant as a business to Bell. It's a rounding error. Its value to Bell is the same reason Jeff Bezos bought Washington Post or Carlos Slim bought the New York Times. It's a way to influence government. It's a lobby group. Your mind is the product. I mean, do you think for a second that Canada's richest family, the Thompsons, who own the Globe and Mail, do you not think that that is their tool to influence public policy, to shape public perceptions? Do you think that the Globe and Mail would ever criticize that family? Of course not. It's their insurance policy against public opinion going the wrong way. Even if there were an independent journalist at CTV, they would not be able to contradict the corporate objectives of Bell. The Globe is owned by the Woodbridge Company. Post Media is owned by New Jersey's Chatham Asset Management. They're all political toys of billionaires. That's just a fact, people. And then I said, I, I was writing this in the morning. I said, I have to go to work now. I'm not some government journalist like those at Trudeau, CBC State Broadcaster, or the 99% of Canadian reporters whose paycheck is directly subsidized by Trudeau. But let me leave you with this delicious moment. And this is what I was talking about, about CBC. We had reporters at nine different trucker convoys on the weekend. We're embedded at the border in Coots. We got half a dozen people in Ottawa on the street, not safely tucked away in offices. So people choose our news over the media party's punditry. 
The whole world is riveted by what's happening in Canada, but who could they talk to about what's really happening? They could call the CBC, and I'm sure CNN does, but that's just Trudeau's point of view. It's not really telling you what's happening, so they call us. And then I'm just having some bragging. I say, yesterday alone, our team must have done 10 foreign interviews. I was on Tucker Carlson. Our young reporter, Lincoln Jay, was on Hannity. I'll have to find that clip. Those two shows are, what, 8 million views? So what's a government journalist to do? Here's the CBC, reduced to tweeting about our reporter appearing on Fox. She's rage tweeting at people with 10 times the viewership she has, even though or because she has a $1.5 billion a year subsidy. Is this tweet the work of a reporter or something different? A Trudeau war room staffer trying to rebut opinions and messages that aren't approved by the Liberal Party. I mean, just stop there for a second. So you got this highly paid CBC reporter who could actually be doing reporting. You know, what's happening? Let me tell you what I saw on the street in this place. She's instead glued to Fox News. I don't blame her. It's good TV. And she's tweeting what she sees on Fox, including Rebel being on there. Do we really need to pay CBC government journalists tax dollars to watch Fox News for us to tweet about it? I don't know. And then I said, I really have to go to work now. Unlike the CBC, Woodbridge, Bell, or Chatham Asset Management, we have to win the support of our viewers every day. Do you know what our motto is? You probably know. Telling the other side of the story. I don't think the media party believes in that, do you? I just don't think they do. Uh, now, there were some great responses. The first was from Breitbart, our friend Joel Pollack. Uh, he did a news, he thought my little rant was, he, he did a story on it. He said, Ezra Levant explains Canadian media bias against truckers, an epic threat. Well, thanks, Joel. I'm glad you thought it was epic. Uh, here's a professor from Quebec named Marc-Francois Bernier, um, a university professor. And he said, we could, this is in French, this is a translation. He said, we could probably refute each of the arguments below. But the important thing is to read them to better understand the reasons for anger against the media journalists in the sociological sense and to be able to answer in such a convincing way as possible. <laughs> yeah. um, by the way, I wrote back to that uh, friendly gentleman twice. Uh, here's what I said. I said, cher professeur, please accept my invitation to come on my show to refuter chacune des arguments si bas, to refute all my arguments below. I promise I'll give you 50% of the talk time, plus the last word. I would like to hear your rebuttal. I think it could be a productive discussion. I'm at Ezra at rebelnews.com. I have not heard back from him. I wrote to him again um, when he says, wow, I could probably, I could probably refute all those points. <laughs> well, th come on. Like I, I pray you, as God is my witness, I'll give him 50% of the talk time, I won't over-talk him, and I'll give him the last word, which is the favorite part of a debate. I don't, I think when he says, well, you know, I, I could refute, anyone could refute, I, uh, I just, I'm busy. Sure, you're busy, Professor. Our friend Candace Malcolm at True North chimed in pretty friendly. She said, I've been working in and around the legacy media for 12 years now. This thread is 100%. And uh, look at that, Maxime Bernier said, Thread from Ezra Levant about mainstream media corruption. I think it's true. Well, so that's what I, I ranted this morning, and I just thought I was going to repurpose that, uh, not because I wasn't looking to do another monologue. I just thought, you know, I had some thoughts this morning that um, just came together when I was looking at how the CBC was watching Rebel on Fox, and a few things clicked into place for me. Uh, we've been going full tilt, and that's all because of your support, so I appreciate that. Uh, after the break, we'll come back with Sidney Fazard, who is on the ground in Coots, Alberta. And then I'll read your letters to me. Stay with us. More ahead. Well, let's go to, I think, one of the most interesting hotspots. Ottawa has most of the attention. It's the capital city. It has the most trucks. It's uh the closest to the heart of darkness in the Liberal Party. The Ambassador Bridge between Detroit and Windsor is enormous. A quarter of Canadian trade uh, goes on that bridge. To shut that down is going to get the attention of Ontario manufacturers, PDQ. But I think one of the most important and interesting convoys is the one in Coots, Alberta. That's at the border between Alberta and Montana. And it has such enormous local support from the farmers, from the townspeople, that Coots is in a total locked down by the truckers, but RCMP have made a large siege wall around Coots so to, to stop others from going to it, to aid it, to help it. 
And at the siege wall in Milk River, another enormous, even larger rally has gathered. And I say rally, it looks like, as they say about the Stampede, the greatest outdoor show on earth. There's cowboys, there's bonfires, there's barbecues. It's a festive atmosphere. This is not a group of criminals. And the police have no chance unless they're going to go full police state. When you have lost the consent of the people, you cannot effectively police. Are you, what are you going to do when you have thousands of ordinary law-abiding citizens, including women and children? What can you do? Well, I'm recording this before 3 o'clock Eastern time. Jason Kenney, the premier, is scheduled to have a press conference at 7 p.m. Eastern time where he's expected to make some modest uh, uh, loosening of his restrictions, but he's not going to go the full uh, Premier Mo, as you know, Premier Mo uh, in Saskatchewan today announced the end of the restrictions. Jason Kenney is resisting. Uh, so I tell you that because that will happen after the video we are recording now goes to air. But I want to go straight to one of our two guys on the ground in Coots, Sidney Fizard, who, along with Kean Simone, has brought you exclusive, world exclusive coverage. He joins us now via Skype. Sydney, first of all, congratulations. You and Kian have done work that has been viewed around the world. I don't know if you know that. I think you can probably detect it on social media, but the work that you and Kian have done has been broadcast to literally millions of people around the world. Congratulations. Oh, well, thank you very much. And it's, it's good to be here, especially because we just want to tell the story like it is. Uh, and that's not something that you see too often on the mainstream media, as we call it. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, your videos tells the tr tell the truth, and it's amazing to me the exclusive access you have had to the to the men who have formed a sort of democratic council on things. I mean, obviously there are certain things that you can't show because they're, you know, the the, the truckers want privacy for certain negotiations, et cetera. But you really are, as they say, a fly on the wall watching history being made, and I think that's because you've earned the trust of all parties involved. You just tell the truth. You tell the other side of the stories. Now, the cops don't like that because they want to do their moves in darkness. But no one can say that you and Keen have not told the honest truth about what's going on at Coots. No, that's absolutely right. And uh, authorities as well, they, they've been a little shy as well, but they have been quite cordial with us. Uh, and they have been letting media through as well. That includes us, uh, where normally you would see us get stopped at the gate, so to speak. Uh, all Rebel News, we don't know who Rebel News is, this and that. Uh, they've actually recognized us and they've been like, yep, go on straight through the border or the uh, barriers, I should say, that the police have set up. Uh, so they're not restricting us uh, like they have in other scenarios. Yeah, I think they know that if they held Rebel News reporters back, uh, that would cause that would cause a negative reaction. I mean, I, I saw some footage that uh, you and, and Key, and we call Key and K2, you and K2 and, and uh, even some others have of Rebel News homemade ads that one fellow put on his combine, another one in Tabor that's like a, a billboard. So this grassroots solidarity with Rebel News, it's really interesting because all we're doing is what any journalist should do. We, you know, one of our things we say all the time, Sid, follow the facts wherever they lead. That means we tell the story, even if it doesn't meet our preconceptions, we, t we follow the facts wherever they lead. That should be the motto of any journalist. The fact that it's so rare means the Rebel News is treated like some hero. And I think you are doing heroic work, but it shouldn't be rare. Like every journalist, people should say, he tells the truth. Like you should say that about every journalist. And the fact that it's not the case, you guys have been embedded with the truckers. I think it was so symbolic that one of those CBC government journalists actually tweeted boasting about the fact that he was embedded with the cops. He was embedded with the cops hunting the truckers. Gee, why doesn't anyone trust the CBC? Am I right? No, exactly. It, and what they're doing is they're taking a shot of the scene and they're taking that from uh, not miles away, but a very far distance away from where things were actually happening. Um, they, they, in some senses, refuse to come close. And in some senses, there's a, uh, a shyness for people here to talk to them because they know that what they're going to say is probably going to get misconstrued. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we've been able to get so close is because exactly what you're saying, they know we're here to tell the truth and we're here to tell the other side of the story, what mainstream media won't and right now what they're not able to. Well, let me just check uh, one detail there. So 
you said that the cops who have this perimeter, the cops have, I, I'm calling it a siege wall because they're, they're really cutting. I mean, the truckers sometimes do and sometimes don't block the border, but the cops have their own blockade, by the way. So you're saying media is allowed to go through, and I know lawyers are, because the lawyer we crowdfunded for the truckers, Chad Williamson, I just saw him do a, a, a video down there. Um, so you're saying the CBC is allowed to come in, but are you saying there are no CBCers at Coots itself? Is that what you're saying? Uh, not that I've seen. Um, they they come by every once in a while in their van. They'll park, you know, way off in the distance. We can see them. They can see us, uh, but they won't really get too close. Um, and in terms of that police barrier, that's not just uh, the one in Milk River, which most people would be familiar with, but it is literally wrapped around Coots. Uh, the entire area has police barriers set up. And uh, just now, the negotiators were here just checking out the scene and giving a heads up uh, just to see how the day was going to go. So you and mean the police, was... nego the police negotiators? Yes. Yes, sorry, that's correct. So how do they um, do that? So the RCMP comes in and some big boss hog character says, now hear this or something. So so how does that go when, when the RCMP negotiators, and I, who knows who they're speaking on behalf of, because the RCMP is a federal police force whose commissioner was appointed by Trudeau, but it's contracted by the Alberta government to, to police in the rural parts. So you've got the Calgary Police Service and the Edmonton Police Service, which are, are local forces, but in the country parts... It's Trudeau's cops hired by Kenny. So I don't even know who would be running that operation. So so a Trudeau Kenny cop shows up, and how does that go? Does he come out? Uh, is, is he come out super friendly, or does he come out growly? Is it the same guy every time? What's that like when a, a Trudeau Kenny negotiator comes? Uh, usually, it's the same guys, uh, and they they try and you know be as respectful as they can. They try and be very polite. Uh, of course, both sides, the uh, the blockaders, the truckers and the farmers here, uh, and the uh, authorities that come, they both try and remain a, uh, they keep a civil discourse. They're very polite. They laugh amongst each other, right? They're, they joke. Um, so they do try and keep a positive relationship going. That way there is uh, a good amount of communication. That way both sides kind of have an understanding of the situation. Uh, but if I could just add one thing, uh, when they were here right now, there was actually a local who was present uh, while the negotiators were here and Chad was talking with them as well. Uh, and he was very upset that on Saturday, I believe it was, he was trying to leave town to get some medical things that he needed. Uh, and on the way back, he was being stopped at the Milk River uh, police barrier that was set up. And they were giving him a tough time. They weren't being rude, per se, but they were giving him a tough time getting through. And he had to go and find alternate roads to get in. And this is an older fellow, right? So it's better to have these guys just go straight on their way. And he just wanted to go home. Uh, but at times, it seems even the people who live in Coots are being restricted from entry. And that's not because of the truckers. He was actually very thankful to the truckers because as soon as the truckers found out that he needed to go out there and get some stuff done, they moved right away. Wow. But the authorities and their barrier that they have set up, well, that, that was unfortunately a different story. But they are trying to keep that uh, transit going for locals so that they still have access. But it has been tough over the last few days with those police barriers literally wrapped around Coots. Very interesting. Well, I've seen some of the footage that you and K2 have published, and I see that the, the farmers have arrived, big farm equipment. So that's a different move. And and the truckers, I mean, the thing about truckers, they're long haul. They may be from dozens or hundreds, theoretically, even thousands of miles away. But those farm that, that farm equipment is not meant to, to go on thousand mile journeys. I mean, I suppose it does a thousand miles over time on a certain farmer's field. But if you're rolling in with some of those tractors, and I don't even know how you would describe some of the equipment. That's coming from maybe 10 miles away, maybe 20 miles away. I'd be shocked if much of it came from more than 50 miles away. So those are local people. That's very interesting to me because that suggests that this protest is in friendly territory. It's not, as the Ottawa politicians say, an occupation of Parliament Hill. It sounds to me like the folks, in, I mean, obviously there's going to be a difference of opinion. But it sounds to me like there is a fair bit of organic domestic support for the truckers. Am I wrong? No, absolutely. You're correct there. Uh, and the first time that we saw uh, a big wave of farmers and its other local supporters come in uh, was the moment that RCMP decided to end negotiations. Uh, this happened uh, much earlier in this whole situation. Uh, and at that point, there was the blockade on the highway with the semi-trucks and whatnot. Uh, but... As those negotiations were told it was over, uh, these truckers and farmers, they came in and they formed a second uh, barrier, wow. basically going across the highway, not just along. 
Um, and now we're seeing that second response that we saw last night where uh, roughly 10 tractors uh, came in to support these guys and they blocked off the highway for a good amount of time last night. And that was a response to, well, basically Jason Kenney's lack of announcement as everyone was expecting him to make some kind of announcement yesterday, but that, that did not come to pass. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Jason Kenney is really playing some slippery games here because I know in the very early days, the rural MLAs, and by the way, the local MLA there, I can't find hide nor hair of him. I think he's hiding. Um, where Have you heard anything? I mean, if, if I was the MLA, that's the provincial politician in charge of, I think it's called Tabor Warner, the riding. It goes, it's, it, it's a fairly large riding because it's a rural riding, so it's fairly sparse. But it, I mean that, and I, I'm, I'm from Southern Alberta, not that far south, but I know those places. I've been to Tabor, I've been to Lethbridge, I've been to Cardston. I know those people, um, Aboriginal folks. I've been to the to the reserve in Cardston. Um, there's some good people there, and I, and they're not afraid to tell their politicians what's what. Have you detected that MLA, the Jason Kenney MLA, or for that matter? The federal MP, I think his name is Glenn Motts, going from memory. Have you detected them anywhere? Uh, not exactly. Certainly not within the action. Uh, what it seems like is these guys try and uh, keep themselves on the perimeter of the situation, uh, kind of one foot in, one foot out, and there's like whispers and murmurs of what they're trying to do and how they're trying to support. But uh, at, at the end of the day, they mostly remain behind closed doors in their approach. So yeah. it's, it's unfortunate, uh, but that, that seems to be how they play ball. You know, it's funny, I, I know you're so busy there in Coots, Alberta, in the center of the action, but today in Parliament Hill, a Liberal MP, and not just some nobody, I think he was the head of their Quebec caucus or something, pretty important position, he said today, time to end the mandates and time to end the language of division. Just a stunning thing to hear, and I'm not even going to call him a Liberal backbencher, because he, he had some, I mean, he's immediately going to be fired by Trudeau, of course, <clears throat> but wouldn't it be something? If a Quebec Liberal MP showed more guts and more care for freedom than the rural Southern Alberta United Conservative Party MLA from probably the most right-wing place in Canada, like seriously. Um, no. And the UCP, that's the United Conservative Party, it's Jason Kenney's party, are cowardly mice, and you've got a Liberal MP from Quebec going public. I'm deeply disappointed, and frankly, my view, and I'm not there, is that if these rural MPs don't take care of Jason Kenney, then they're all going to go down together. That's how it looks like to me. Now, tell me, what's going on? Because we don't know what's going to happen tonight at 5 p.m. Mountain Time when Kenny makes, I think it's going to be a, a half announcement, I think. Yeah, I think, it's probably going to end. Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. Um, yeah, it's probably going to end up being something like a half announcement. Uh, hope. Hopefully it'll bear fruit and hopefully these guys will receive the message uh, that they're hoping to receive. But uh, realistically, at a moment's notice, they could shut this border down again if that doesn't happen. Uh, and one thing to note is there's some people wondering out there why they don't just keep it shut. Well, realistically, they don't need to because at a moment's notice, they could shut it down again when they decide to. And that's what we saw with these uh, tractors last night where they decided to close it down for a bit. Uh, now, in the morning time, uh, when we got back, they had opened it up again. Um, just so some people could flow through. And they made their point, um, and they're just going to keep holding the line here uh, to see what Jason Kenney says, and that'll set the stage for how these guys move forward in the minutes, hours, and days ahead. I'm not sure if I mentioned like, there's so many things happening, and I'm I'm involved in different conversations, so I can't remember if I just said it, you said. But it, besides the Ambassador Bridge in Detroit, Windsor, um, the uh, I think it's the ATU. I think that's the Amalgamated Transit Union, if I'm not mistaken. It uh, bus drivers now say they're going to join, at least in resisting the mandates. I'm not sure what that form that will take. I just saw the headline flash by. So I think that first you had the truckers, then you had the farmers, and if I'm reading that headline right, you got the bus drivers, all the working class people. By the way. Where are the socialist parties right now who claim to stand with the working man? They're denouncing. Jagmeet Singh couldn't be more vicious in his language towards the working man. He's no working man. I've never seen a guy dressed fancier in my life than him. Um, you, you mess with the people who make things go. You mess with people who work outside. You mess with people who know how to do stuff, make things. Um, hard hats, uniforms. I mean, that 
the fancy folks who are on their MacBooks at their country cottage loving the lockdown, yeah, I suppose they make things. I mean, you could put us in that category. We're in the news business. What is that really? But a lot of things stop working pretty quick. If you don't get your groceries, you don't get your deliveries, you, you, the buses grind to a halt, the borders grind to a halt. It's very interesting to see a true workers' rebellion, a rebellion, a true workers. I mean, I mean, I grew up very free enterprise oriented. And if if I had to answer which side are you on, labor or capital, I, I wouldn't have said labor. Not that I was against working people. I just would have said, oh, I'm against Marxism. I'm for free enterprise. But to see a true blue-collar workers' rebellion against these lockdown laws that are so punitive, it makes me feel like a bit of a revolutionary. And I'm just so proud that our team has covered it from coast to coast. I, I, I really think it's realigned politics. I mean, I, I was considered, quote, right-wing for my entire life. And I think in many ways I, I was, and I, in some ways I still am. But the pride I feel in the working men and women of this country standing up for our basic freedoms that the fancy class has allowed to be eroded for two years, that's a great feeling. And it makes me feel better about Canada maybe than I've ever felt in my whole life. I'm just saying. No, that's exactly it. And between the convoy and the blockades here, uh, it's really sparked something amongst not just the labor class, but especially them, but all Canadians. And we're kind of reminded of what it is to be Canadian. And that is the unifying factor here. It's not about who you voted for. It's not about if you have a vaccine or not. It's about being Canadian and getting those rights back that for generations we've fought so so hard to have. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate that for the last two years, our the political class, the upper echelon, they've sort of taken to this divisive rhetoric uh, and been actively trying to divide Canadians over things that should be mundane. Uh, but it does seem like with these truckers standing up, everyone's sort of realizing, yeah, we're Canadian, we have rights, and the power is in our hands. And the only reason why this has gone, I think, so stellar is because the power that we have as Canadians is the power to peacefully fight back. Yeah. And that's something that we're seeing more and more by the day. Well, and it's being peaceful. That's what's amazing. You know what? I, I don't know my Canadian history as well as I should, but I do know there was something called the General Strike of Winnipeg. And I think if my memory is right, that was in 1919, more than 100 years ago, there was a general strike. Now, that was fomented by real communists, actual communists inspired by the Russian Revolution. What we have here is a workers' rebellion, almost like a general strike when you think about it. It's not this company or that company. It's entire classes of people. But it's not for communism. In, in an interesting twist, it's against the sort of communism or maybe you call it fascism, the unity between big pharma, big tech, big government, locking us all down, taking away our freedoms unlimited uh, for an interminable length of time. It's a general strike for freedom, which may be the first time that's happened. Uh, I don't know. I suppose you could call the fall of the Berlin Wall this. This is very exciting to me, Sid. I think you're really in the center of the action. I want to close by um, talking about our lawyer. As you know, Rebel News, not the Democracy Fund, but Rebel News itself has crowdfunded Chad Williamson, and he has two colleagues, Marty and, and Yaron, if I got the name right. So we've got three lawyers who are helping out. I know Chad's back down there. I think things are about to hit the fan. By the time this goes to air, we'll know what's what. But I think Jason Kenney is going to announce that he has gone to court ex parte, that means in secret, to get an injunction against these truckers. I think he's going to announce that. Now, he doesn't need that. There's enough laws on the books for the police to enforce as it is. But I think he's going to try and smash the truckers while giving in a little bit because he, he's got too much pride. So he doesn't want to look like he's dancing to the truckers tune. So he's going to give them a few tiny things, not much. And at the same time, he's going to smash them with an injunction. That's why Chad Williams is so important. He's going to be there on the ground Give, I don't want you to give away any legal confidence. It's not that you would even be included in the solicitor client privilege. But tell me what's the spirit of the men down there. They're they're chatting with Chad fairly often. They're, they're getting advice from him, aren't they? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And uh, uh, spirits are high, and he's been great talking with everybody. And it's it's a weird position for him to be in because it's he's representing clients, but he's also representing a larger group of people here uh, who are involved in the blockade. So. Uh, he's just been trying to help out everyone everywhere he can. Uh, and I, I think it has been a really good help for them 
uh, especially considering uh, before he got here, there was talks that it looked like enforcement was on its way, so to speak. And Chad got here and they they talked and they were the negotiators between the enforcement side uh, and the truckers here. So things have remained steady uh, and we have seen the uh, attempts of enforcement here. Uh, but every time it's either Chad uh, or the positioning of the truckers here that kind of pushed them back a little further away, the uh, the authorities. So yeah. uh, I think Chad has definitely been a really great help here, uh, a really great intermediary, uh, because these guys, you know, uh, the salt of the earth, they're laymen. They're not politicians. They don't know that slick talk uh, that negotiators and lawyers would normally use. Uh, not to say that they wouldn't understand it, but it might not be an immediate awareness for them. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's been great that Chad's been here and he's been able to help with those negotiations. Well, you know, I like to say about him, he's a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. He does have a country sensibility to him. So I think he's a perfect fit. He is what they call an officer of the court. When you're a lawyer, you have certain obligations to the courts, not just to your clients. You have a professional ethical obligations to the profession. So Chad has to be sort of well-behaved. He can never counsel people to do something illegal. So I'm very happy to hear your report that he's really brought out the best of the situation, de-escalated the situation, being a, a go-between intermediary, I think you said. So that's exactly what we were hoping he would do to lower the, the risk temperature there. And I think these truckers might, in the end, they might need some legal help. We have committed to, to crowdfund Chad's fees to defend any, any legal ramifications of the truckers. Folks probably know our URL. It's truckerlawyer.ca. So Chad and his two colleagues. I don't know how the story's going to end, but however it ends, we'll be there to help. Sid, thanks for your work on the ground. Appreciate you. I mean, you've been down there. It's going on. It's more than a week now. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, it's a couple of days from two weeks now, uh, but these guys are holding the line strong, and uh, there's no uh, there's no end in sight until there's uh, an end in sight for the mandates. Yeah. Well, I think you really are a part of history being made. And the thing about history is it's told by the winners, right? I mean, we don't know, um, you know, we, we, we know the story of David and Goliath um, because David won. And it's important that the story be told honestly, no matter how it goes. I don't know who's going to, quote, win. I think in many ways the truckers have already won. They've given hope to people. They've reminded us that we care about freedom. They've shown that you can make the tyrant blink. Uh, they've conducted themselves peacefully. They've inspired people, let them know they're not alone. I think the truckers actually have already won. How this final thing washes out, we don't know. But uh, I think, and, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. If I could just uh, say one thing there. Uh, there was a little uh, cardboard kind of note uh, that was made inside, and it said, it's not the size of the man in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the man. Yeah. And as you mentioned, David versus Goliath. Well, they were even talking about that, too. And it really does feel like there's a bunch of Davids in there. Yeah. Um, and there's only one Goliath. Yeah. Well, we've got to document what happens. So that's what, why I, one of the things, I mean, Rebel News fights a lot of fights. And I'll tell you the truth. We probably lose more than we win because we take long shots. And I don't care. I mean, I, I, I wish we won them all. But you have to fight them. And sometimes you fight a long shot and you win. And that's on the fighting side. We crowdfund lawyers. But, but even if, putting aside the fighting, we have to document. We have to tell the truth about what happened. We can't let the liars at the CBC write the story on the Battle of Coots. And so that's why you and K2 and Adam Sos and I think Mocha was down there the other day. That's why what you're doing is important. I'm going to let you go, Sid, because you got a lot of things to do. Appreciate you joining the call today. And uh, stay safe, stay warm. Sounds like you're in the middle of the action having the time of your life. Absolutely. It sounds great. It's right. a nice chat, guys, and I hope uh, hope for the best on all fronts. Yeah, me too. There you have it, Sidney Fizard, one of our great citizen journalists on the scene at the border between Coots and Sweetgrass, Montana. Stay with us more ahead. Hey, welcome back. I mentioned Lincoln Jay's appearance on Hannity, and we showed it to you. I, I was on Tucker, too. I, it wasn't on very long, uh, about three minutes, but huge audience. Let me just start by playing for you in case you missed it last night. Here's uh, my brief appearance on Tucker Carlson's show. Take a look. The people in charge aren't really thinking this through. Most of the time, trends start in the United States, and they move north to Canada. But this time, the opposite could happen. 
Ezra Levant is the founder of Rebel News, one of the very few brave and independent media organizations in the nation of Canada. We're honored to have him on tonight. Ezra, thanks so much for coming on. So give, it seems like your, the Trudeau government has so completely overreacted to what appears to be a thoroughly peaceful protest that my read as an outsider, a non-Canadian, is that they're very weak. If they're terrified of the truckers, you know, th this is not a strong government. Yeah, I mean, Trudeau calls them violent. His MPs say they're terrorists. But today in court, the most a judge would give them is that they're enthusiastic horn honkers, and they've asked the truckers to stop honking at night. That's it. Uh, there was an opinion poll that showed 32% of Canadians see themselves reflected in the truckers. In our multi-party system, that would make them the leading party if the truckers formed a political movement. I think Justin Trudeau is more scared than he lets on because these are supposed to be his people. They're young, they're ethnically diverse, they're working class people, but they're not following the script that they normally do for him. Can, can he stop this protest? It, I mean, do you think he can successfully shut it down from wherever he's in hiding right now? Well, I mean, taking away the diesel fuel is a low blow. It's very cold in Ottawa, and most of these truckers are living in the little cab in their truck, so they need diesel fuel for heat. So by taking away their diesel fuel, as you showed, he's really freezing them out. And by the way, there's some families, there's even some kids. I don't know what legal justification they have. Uh, the, the diesel fuel is not illegal. Uh, selling it, owning it, having it is not illegal. I think he's just sort of thinking, well, what are they going to do to me? Um, you know, these police go in heavily armed, brandishing their arms, taking the diesel fuel. And so many of Canada's checks and balances have failed. There hasn't been a significant court ruling against the lockdowns, and Trudeau's sort of hoping that they'll be able to starve or freeze these truckers out. I don't think it's going to work, though. It's not just in Ottawa. There are trucker convoys in many other parts of the country, including hundreds that have blocked the Montana-Alberta border for over a week now. It's in the middle of the prairie, hundreds of huge trucks and agricultural equipment that can't be towed away. The, the Mounties tried to move that blockade. The burly uh, truckers stood them down. So I, I think this problem's bigger than Trudeau knows how to solve unless he goes full Castro on them. Uh, well, he's already going there, uh, as far as I can tell. It's tyranny, and I hope they continue to resist. And Ezra, thank you for covering this fairly and honestly. It, you, you've really almost been unique in the entire country. So we appreciate it as Americans. Thank much. you. Thanks. Well, I was excited to be invited back on. Uh, in a moment, I'll show you the video of the day that we have, but let me read a few uh, chats and comments. Someone with a nickname 1984 Today says, Hey, Trudeau, you need to denounce your hateful supporters. Yeah, I take that that's in response to the uh, Jeep driver who plowed into some trucker protesters in Winnipeg. Payne74 Law Guy says, Every citizen detained without charges arbitrarily detained. Any trucker detained needs to lock into class action suits for violating their charter rights. You don't really need a class action suit for violating charter rights, especially if you were arrested. I should tell you that the Democracy Fund has lawyers on the ground in Ottawa, and they've been making the rounds, uh, giving tips and advice to truckers. I feel really good about that. Rinberg says this government will try everything. We have to be prepared for anything. Tyrannical government never negotiate. Trudeau is one of them. He was a student of Klaus Schwab. Yeah, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum brags about Trudeau. But I should tell you that today, a liberal MP essentially quit. He denounced Trudeau's policy, denounced Trudeau's language, and said we should end the mandates. A Quebec MP, a serious guy, like not a perpetual troublemaker or anything. Um, I think that Trudeau is weaker than he looks. Anyways, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with Kean's latest on the coverage of the farmer blockade at Coots. Take a look. Kean K2 Simone here for Rebel News. And earlier, Sydney Fazard and I reported that farmers with their tractors circumvented their way through the RCMP checkpoint at Milk River. They stayed about the they stayed back there for about 20 minutes, got their coffees, and we just witnessed they blocked the border. The tractors and farmers have blocked the border to 
to Sweetgrass, Montana here in Coots, Alberta. It is absolutely freezing out here. And you can see the semis are already lining up hoping to get into Montana. You see behind me here, these are the tractors that are blocking the border. There is no way logistically for the RCMP to move them. They want to speak with Jason Kenny. They want these mandates lifted and it doesn't seem like they're going to be moving until they get an answer. If you want to help our independent journalism, please go to convoyreports.com. City of Fazard and I will be keeping you guys updated all night with live updates until this thing resolves. If you want to help the truckers in their legal defense, go to truckerlawyer.ca. Here's a final look for you guys here. How do you feel about all this? How do you feel about all this? Good. Yeah, good. Good news everybody, Rebel News has decided to help us out with lawyer fees. 
which we really appreciate. Thank you guys. Ezra Levant just uh, gave us a call and said that uh, whatever fees wasn't covered by trucker, uh, what's the website there? No, no. Trucker lawyer. Trucker lawyer. CA. So whatever's not covered, he would, he would, uh, the shortfall, he would cover himself. Personally. So just wanted to let you guys know really good news. We've got good guys on our side. All we funds. really appreciate it. All, so all funds all are going to be taken care of. They're going to cover all tickets being given out, and it's all going to be crowdfunded. So thank you, everybody, for donating. We really appreciate it. So